0: Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us every Friday for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honlein, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Big simcha for the Honline family this week. I guess it never gets old celebrating with a grandchild, huh?
1: We may get old, but celebrating <laughs> the wedding of a grandchild is a great and tonight thankful to Akash Barucho for it and to them and to Michal and Amil got married in Baltimore uh, they should have just a great life together.
0: You know this is something that not every generation in Jewish history or recent Jewish history was able to experience Malcolm there was a time when it was commonplace that generations did not celebrate together and if one or two generations was together that was the basically the limit in our community.
1: As one who did not have grandparents because of uh, Shoah, I fully appreciate what you're saying and it was true there was a missing generation and it's not something we should take for granted at the Bedeking. I kept thinking that this is truly the macoma on on those who want to do away with us today, those who wanted to do away with us in the distant and not distant past. And we take too much of it for granted. We don't remember and think about both the good and how privileged we are and how much has been rebuilt from ashes when others would have given up You had a generation that made an irrational choice of rebuilding jewish families some who have lost entire families and that it's only by assuring the continuity of jewish life that we really put the lie to their aims and you see how many today would like to do away with the jewish people we have to show them the only answer is internal strength unity an external commitment
0: i think i made this point to you uh at around the time that it happened but a few months ago i was visiting somebody during a shiva call uh people of my generation who had gone to school in brooklyn it's not like they were in some obscure area but they were in a place with a you know a large jewish population and they said what was unusual about our family and we always felt strange about it was we were the only kids in school with grandparents So just to bring the point home even further for people. Uh, All right, uh, time to explore the news of the day. And um, uh, we read about and hear about a secret meeting that took place between Prime Minister Netanyahu and the head of the PA, Mahmoud Abbas, in Jordan. Is this the reason that now there is a ceasefire in place?
1: No, the reason there's a ceasefire is because Hamas gave up. I mean, Hamas is the one that looked for the uh, agreement. And, and got none of the conditions that it set uh, for it. I'm not saying that they were the total losers in some people's eyes. They were winners by the very fact that they were able to emerge from this, hold the huge rallies, uh, fire missiles until the last, uh, the last minute. But even the New York Times acknowledged that it wasn't, the ceasefire was not extended on, on Hamas's terms, that the, it was the Egyptian deal that was offered a long time ago, that Israel accepted, that Hamas rejected, they, they were clearly hurt in this last round with the destruction of the big buildings where command centers were. Uh, under these terms, uh, Israel will ease restrictions gradually, but they had the pledge to halt fire rockets from Gaza, and I think they emerged with uh, little to show but declared victory, and their victory is that they're still standing.
0: So what was the point of the secret meeting?
1: Well, there is coordination between uh, the PA and Israel because they have a common enemy. And the question is whether Abbas is really prepared to stand up and and to get involved. You you see that there are a a number of developments happening behind the scenes, other secret meetings, efforts. Qatar seems to be putting together a coalition of Jibril Rajoub and Mashal of Hamas. Uh, Jibril Rajoub used to be a leader in Fatah and uh, Maran Bagudi, who's in jail. As an alternative leadership, it becomes their the group that they back within the Palestinian Authority uh, in a larger sense, plus Hamas, because everybody has a stake. They want to uh, play a role. What what I think uh, Israel is looking to to avoid is a is a vacuum in Gaza, where more and more people are. Uh, certainly disaffected, even if they, the polls show that the majority, the base majority, would want to see uh, attacks continue. The fact is that they come out, they see the price they paid, they say, what did we gain uh, from this? Hamas even arrested 250 of its own members after, you know, publicly executing uh, members of Fatah and calling them spies and et cetera. They've arrested 250 of their own guys um, after the attacks on the, the leadership. This, these are usually not really spies for Israel. They're uh, political enemies, or just the, the people they want to eliminate. And the other thing that's important is the the UN report that came out this week in this regard uh, that showed that less than five percent of Gaza was affected by all of Israel's attacks, less than five percent. And they show that if you take their map and you overlay it on the map of what israel claimed the, the, the damage was and the destruction was you will see that they're almost the same hmm. and the the idea of indiscriminate or random seventy two percent of all the attacks were within three kilometers of israel's border now this is such an important uh, statement because that's where the tunnels were that's where a lot of the staging grounds were there were twelve thousand points supposedly representing damage that Israel caused uh, before uh, August 5th. That is exactly what the U.N. findings come out. So they vindicate Israel's thing. So now Hamas is being denied even the legitimacy that it gained with the United Nations by the usual one-sided comments, attacks, etc. on it. And they have to do a lot of thinking because A lot of the lies hopefully will be exposed, although we see them repeated in all the major media, especially the New York Times. But when you talk about the closing economic uh, blockade, there is no economic blockade. Israel's allowed goods in even during the war. What they don't allow in is the dual-use goods.
0: Yeah, but nobody's going to look back at this war and decide anything in Israel's favor. I mean, you, you sound a little bit more optimistic on this whole PR issue a week later.
1: No, I'm not actually. Uh, I think that we're going to see the real thrust of this on the campuses as people come back. Uh, We're going to see it continuing in the media and the rebuilding effort. And this, um, you see how they talk about this one uh, finger that was left of the building of the the second largest building in um, in uh, Gaza, uh, and how you know it's sort of like the remnants of the World Trade Center after the bombing when it's. I mean, of course, no correspondence and no relationship between them. So I don't believe that the PR battles anywhere near over. I think it's important for people to have the facts to understand the context. Our people, those who listen to the show, if they're going to talk to others and if we're going to make the case, you've got to do it based on facts. And there are strong arguments. There's right. strong material that never gets out.
0: Right. That's the point, that there's a lot of information that can be very helpful in these arguments. Right. Um, just going back for a second, because you mentioned in terms of uh, you know how how a Fatah person is now being treated in Gaza. I, I, is everybody in Gaza at this point aligned with Hamas? Like, is, is there a a, a a just like politically, there's a real demarcation between the quote unquote West Bank presence of Arabs and the Gaza Strip presence? Is it like that in the population as well? That if you're if you're in Hamas, excuse me, if you're a member of Fatah, you don't even live in Gaza at this point.
1: Uh, you live very carefully. There are Fatah members, but people are not uh, are less and less going public because it's dangerous. The, uh, there are also you know Islamic Jihad, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, that had a sign on this deal. That's a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. Uh, and and Fatah uh, affiliates claimed that during the war they fired, and this is just in the last 24 hours, fired 2,000 missiles. So credibility... Is based on how much damage, how much you were able to do in the war against Israel, and that's why some of the competition and a lot of it lies um, are are being asserted because they want credibility in the street. But in the street itself, there's a lot of resentment growing against uh, Hamas because they say, "Look, you took us into another war. Mm. We've been devastated again. We pay the price. You come out declaring, you know, itself heroes." and we're suffering
0: do the executions also lend itself to a uh, negative attitude toward hamas when these
1: they do but it also creates uh, intimidation and fear something i have been thinking about for the last couple of days is that this whole thing would be heading you remember when in iraq the isis as they came in with a small group left the heads of soldier of uh, policemen on the road right. and others and everybody said, oh, this is horrific, Look how terrible, but in fact, it works. It's helped them. It, it instilled fear in the, in the people that they came in contact with, and people the army ran away because people don't want to be beheaded. And yet now you see the headings in Syria mm-hmm. have become routine, and, and this is an assessment of the United Nations, right. that government forces carry out massacres and widespread attacks, including murder and torture and rape and all those things. And non-governmental armed forces are doing carrying out massacres. You don't see the condemnations. I mean, they kill a lot more people than Israel did in the war, in a defensive war. These guys are doing against their own populations. And we've seen this uh, headings not only now in Iraq. You see it in Syria. We're seeing it in other places that it becomes the method de jour for carrying out these attacks. And then... They instilled this in younger and younger groups. One of the, the most disturbing developments that I saw was the report on the large camps that ISIS has uh, uh, established for boys between 10 and 14. And these kids are now going to be another generation. It's not that you're going to root it out uh, so quickly. It doesn't matter then what the people themselves think if they're not willing to take up some sort of, uh, of an action. And the, the idea that beheadings, I mean, this horrific action, uh, it's one thing if people die in a conflict and wars and bombings and stuff, but they've got to I
0: mean- go up and cut somebody's... Rosen. I mean, I mean what, what century is this replicating?
1: Uh, it's a good question.
0: Where, where is it?
1: Where is not it,
0: the 21st it? Century. I would think not, but could you imagine that hundreds of years from now, they'll look back at this century and talk about you know, the progress that the world made up until 2014 and the democracy and the freedom and understanding how humans are supposed to treat humans. And this was the the, the method of choice in the now, Middle East.
1: And add to that, which I think is a very good point, and people should think about, I mean, this brutality that they say, oh, this is horrific, and they look, turn away. No, this is the nature of the enemy. And now think about the fact that you have 12,000 foreigners. You have uh, admittedly people, hundreds in America. Now there's a report of a second American who died fighting in Syria. These are guys who are engaging in these activities and being trained with this. You know, the the um, I told you that Britain's MI5 devotes half of its time to fighting and dealing with the threat posed by... British uh, citizens coming back from uh, right. from Syria. But they said on Tuesday that they had arrests links to the fighting in Syria and had dr- dramatically risen. It's the highest priority operation uh, against those involved in plan- attack planning or other activities, but they're not activities there anymore. Now they're going to focus on their own territories. And I, there was a report on all of the... Islamist-related activities in the United States this past year, and we don't put it together. You know, I say there's almost a case all the time going on. Uh, you know, you have an Arab bank uh, trial. There's hardly any coverage where they're exposing how this uh, bank, which is based on Amman, but has uh, implications worldwide, and- funding terrorism. And nobody pays
0: attention to it. Yeah, and you'd think it would become more obvious as we read more and more about what's happening in the streets of the United States. Exactly. You know, how people are either being attacked or their families being condemned or you know, they're being, uh, you know, the subject of, uh, of um, you know, either, either uh, physical violence or verbal uh, attacks, you know, as they walk home from school and all that. You'd think we'd start to get this message, but I don't know. By the way, not not that I'm one to argue with the Red Alert app, which has gotten a lot of notoriety, by the way, recently from the New York Times and others. Over, apparently over a million people have installed the Red Alert app, which is unbelievable. It says there that the last rocket was Tuesday at 7 p.m. Has the ceasefire, in fact, worked at that point? Because remember, we've seen ceasefires in many, many different eras of the last decade, where still you've reported to us that rockets you know, maybe not at the same pace, the same rate, but they were still flying over Israel.
1: Right. There have been no rockets now, but the, uh, you know, they fired until the last minute, and even as the ceasefire was supposed to go into effect, and they killed two Israelis uh, during those hours, and wounded others, uh, and they and they retain a capacity. Even Israel acknowledges that they still have a couple thousand missiles. They can produce more in the underground uh, facilities, and so the danger isn't going away, and the, the resilient nature of these activities, and because they can operate on relatively small amounts, and as long as countries like Qatar continue to fund or assist, and others who, who may find some interest, which is why the um, Arab Bank case that I just mentioned is so I- important, and you see how this is spreading and, and how the roots of these groups now become much deeper. And you had the missiles across the Golan, and the reports now that uh, rebel groups now control the border near Israel. There is a presence of ISIS or IS. They're not the ones controlling the border. This is more al-Nusra, which is an al-Qaeda affiliate. But they're now there on the Golan. They drove out the the Syrian army. There's no presence uh, virtually, which means that they're retracting all their soldiers back to to protect Damascus i think uh, as they lost uh, Raqqa and you may remember we discussed it when it first uh, came under fire and i said that this could be a turning point because Raqqa is where a lot of the oil resources of Syria and they're now exporting oil through turkey to lebanon to other places but they took the airfield the last airfield in the whole province and this is a, a major shift now in that they control this entire region, now will turn their attention towards Damascus, towards uh, other uh, areas of um, of Syria. In the meantime, they, they still make uh, uh, make money, and they control, more importantly, the, the border crossing areas between Israel and uh, and Syria. So you're talking about Islamist forces within 200 yards. Of territory controlled by Israel, including supposedly Kenetra.
0: and and if Turkey, for instance, on the economic point, as long as they continue to want to do business with them, they're they're fine.
1: Well, yes, if- and there and and you have this porous border. Turkey, as you know, has an, the, 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 the new president Erdogan. He's appointed the prime minister Tulu, who's even more extremist an Islamist than Erdogan or was, which shows the direction that he's going to go. His border, he's allowed terrorists to cross. We know that uh, countless numbers, and especially foreign terrorists, come into, uh, into Turkey and cross freely into, into Syria when they could do a lot to control it. But I think Turkey's role here is very critical, and they, uh, you know, they flirted and helped Iran avoid the sanctions. They do other things, even when, in the end, they seem to pay somewhat of a, of a price for it. Now they're talking about another flotilla, they're talking about other right. uh, extreme activities. Uh, they, working with Qatar, have formed a counterbalance to the Saudi Arabia, uh, UAE, PA, Jordan, Egypt front, uh, and are, are more and more extreme. Which is why people are upset by the fact the United States still has this relationship, talking about an 11 billion dollar sale to Qatar, uh, let alone uh, uh, big arms sales to to, um, to Turkey that is in the in the offing. But the, the, what happens in Syria today? And the border, especially, is really important. We have to get people to focus on how the 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 regionalization of all of these conflicts and the the how it's spreading into into Lebanon. And that's why Israel strikes at every uh, firing because they have to demonstrate sovereignty and they have to demonstrate that it will not be accepted, Mm. even if it's errant firing. We have to. Israel has to send that message, and the United States and the West has to send a message too. If we ever want to turn this around or contain this, and so far we've done a lousy job at it, and the, the, that's why the Egyptians and UAE went into Libya. They didn't even tell the United States. Right. They bombed Libya, not once,
0: twice. Give me one second. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web. JM and the AM.org. But by the way, on that point, in terms of U.S. reaction, um, it, it, and if you look at today's headlines and if you heard uh, yesterday's uh, presentation by the president, it, it seems like there's only uncertainty coming out of Washington. When the headlines read, we don't know what to do in Syria, that, that, that's not a good sign from Washington.
1: I don't think there could be a worse sign than when you say we have no strategy. And, right. and I understand that it's not easy to deal with these issues uh, fully. Um, You know, they they haven't hardly reacted to 43 U.N. peacekeeping forces being abducted by al-Nusra, probably. And uh, there's been violence all along against the U.N. uh, disengagement forces, the UNDAP, which is U.N., uh, the uh, Disengagement Observer Forces, um, and hardly any condemnation, criticism. You know, uh, right away, running to negotiations, and the question is, what price do you pay for it? They're trying to drive these guys out. That was a goal all along of, of Hezbollah too, because they want to operate more freely, and they know that the first time there's a bullet, the UN forces run or countries withdraw their uh, th- their forces. And the the um, the the nature of, of their activities and the failure to, to, for the west of the west to come with clearly defined objectives. And, and readiness to implement them, we keep sending the wrong message to them. And the fall of Raqqa, the other steps, means that you could be seeing uh, a takeover by these radical rebel groups, so-called, of, of Assad, and we will make Assad look good. We will we will we will yearn for Assad uh, to come back.
0: Unbelievable. Um, we should mention, by the way, that. Uh 21-year-old IDF soldier Natan El Mamman became the 71st Israeli fatality. He died from wounds from a rocket attack that happened today, and uh, not the attack, meaning his his passing happened today, and the funeral takes place today. Also, I must mention that the Jerusalem Post has published an article with the 64 IDF soldiers' photos and the uh, paragraphs about their lives who uh, who died to protect Israel. Uh, Malcolm, this is a good opportunity for people to print it out, hang it up in their synagogues, and to spread it around, especially between now and Rosh Hashanah, and there will be a lot of nostalgia about this 2014 war, and people will be looking back with their kids, hopefully, about what happened this past summer in Israel. It's really a golden opportunity to remember each and every individual who gave of their lives to protect Israel during this summer. It's
1: amazingly important. And especially for the schools that are now opening, that schools should post it, they should remind the kids that these young people, not much older than them, and in some cases the same age as those who go to schools and uh, universities, died also for us. That this enemy wants to kill us, it it says in the charter to kill Jews, not just to kill Israelis. And what they did is put their lives on the line, some of them, in the most heroic ways that haven't been told yet. And and you see, Hamas now says we want to extend our, our, quote, victory to the West Bank and Yerushalayim because the goal isn't to free Gaza. The goal is to destroy Israel more than anything. They don't care about their own people. They certainly don't care about Jews that want Jews eliminated. And that, that is that they state the goal. We just don't believe them when they say it. When other terrorist groups say, if you think IS, which can engage in this kind of brutal activity against people, Muslims of their own uh, affiliation, other Muslims, let alone what they've done to Christians in Mosul. where Where is that outcry? So when Jews look at this and see that the only one standing up, defending the people, defending the country, standing for our future, is the IDF. You can be critical. You can have differences with the government of Israel. But anybody who doesn't understand, look at the rest of the world. Look how Christians are being massacred, and there's no army that stands up for them. There's no force except the Jews who protest and some Christian uh, and who they write off as, uh, you know, extremists. Think about it, and people should take this opportunity in every show, to post it, as you said, talk about it, not, not think that this battle's over and therefore we're free now, we can go on to, right. you know, worry about the U.S. Open or something. No, now is the time, because this is not over. This, their goal remains the same. And the only reason they don't achieve it is because they have young men putting, and women putting their lives on the line
0: Oh, what an excellent point. Uh, Also, we, uh, of course, take this opportunity to extend our condolences to the Sofer family right here in New Jersey, this terrible tragedy in Israel. And I know it's no comfort to them, but, Malcolm, again, you have to see how people have come together and the concern that World Jury had for one boy who had experienced this this tragic uh, episode. And uh, just, again, from that angle, you know, a, a, a very heartwarming angle
1: you know that thousands of people were involved in this uh, i had a little bit of involvement in this and uh, spoke to the family uh, at two o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning we had a conference call in america of people in lakewood and elsewhere at one thirty in the morning and nobody would even have questioned whether you have to do it and that night afterwards i stayed up all night telling the prime minister's office and others and you see the response there uh, as someone, t- uh, the police commander told me, he said, in all of his years, decades in the police force, he's never seen so many resources yeah. put for a missing person, and that that, and they did not believe and didn't see any evidence that it was political, but they kept that option open. But thousands of people and all the volunteers who came from Salah, from Dhaka, from all these other groups and people who flew from the states—it's it's truly an amazing demonstration, and I think it's a, a great source of nachama to the family that people cared and that you show them. I mean, there's no way we can bring it back, but we can certainly try to, to ease the pain that they know that they did everything possible and everything possible was done.
0: Oh, no question about it. Um, in Israel, you know, 10 days ago, I would have predicted that the prime minister could easily win another term. Today, I don't know if the, Lee Kud will let him run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy. Do you and, think Israeli and, politics, okay? not, and not just my, my prognostication abilities, but this is really, as you just uh, alluded to, uh, it seems to be the root of all Israeli politics, the uncertainty. Um, so what's the story? Why are the prime minister's uh, favorable numbers uh, so low, his unfavorable numbers so high?
1: As opposed to many of the other conflicts in the past, where people were upset but uh, you know and called for the government to to end the conflicts, this time the people wanted continued because they want a final outcome. They don't want more uncertainty. People are frustrated. People are angry about the cost of this war. And remember, the it's, it's, it's loss of life—71 lives right. a four-year-old—and uh, you uh, know, something I think all of us who saw that picture and read about him and. I mean, it's still so, it's so heavy in my heart and my head, and I can't. I see his picture all the time in my yeah. mind.
0: I know that is some photo, boy. And
1: and 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 that uh, you know, it was a matter of seconds that it wasn't. He, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't run away. He wasn't running the street. He just was trying to get into the house in time. So people are are frustrated. The people in the South, many of whom have left and are still not coming back, because they're saying, we want assurances, we want to know the darn tunnels. We don't, they don't feel there's a finality
0: to this right now. Well, didn't the Prime Minister know this? And I'm not saying he does everything for political reasons back home, but I, I guess he considered it greatly before he agreed to the ceasefire.
1: Look, I'm one who's, who believes strongly that we don't second-guess sitting here right. in New York or New Jersey or Maryland that right. you need to be armchair generals when you're not on the front line. And I think for Israel... And especially given, you know, the cost internationally, people, again, don't think about it. But the loss of tourism, loss of investment, the right. boycott actions, all these things have a tremendous economic impact. It's cost Israel billions of dollars. And uh, let alone the, the psychological impact. And how many, for, for, for 50 days, people heard the sirens. And as you point out, you know, people looked at their, if you looked at the iPad right. uh, app, right. and it, some days it would go off 15 times in a 20-minute in a period. And you, I don't know if you saw, but uh, I know many saw online the picture of Iron Dome taking out 15 simultaneous right. missiles, which is really an amazing feat. But people's nerves are on edge, and they feel that there hasn't been the kind of outcome yet that gives them an assurance of the future. So I think that, that it's the follow-up will be as much a part of the war as the actual conflict this time. And... And people don't want to see prisoner transfers. They want to know why weren't the two bodies of the soldiers who were captured part of the initial deal. It is part of what Israel's demands. But those are the kind of issues that are being raised. And it's understandable that people are frustrated. They don't want to have to go through this again. Then they see the developments in the north uh, of Israel. It's different in the sense that you have the different alliances in the Middle East. You see uh, the threats to Jordan of IS, which might mobilize concern. Israel will defend itself. Israel has the capacity. We saw it now. We see now. I'm sure they'll develop technology to deal with the tunnels. But I think the psychological scars are going to be there for a long time. And Netanyahu uh, was expected to really, ex, you know, execute this. What they did in the last week, people say, they had done that for three. The first three weeks, take out those high, those high rise. do the other thing, go after the leadership. But it's very easy for us to sit here and say those things. It's very hard when you're on the front line having to make those decisions.
0: Do you agree that he'd have a tough time winning another election right now? No,
1: I don't think he would have a hard time winning another election. I think the numbers will bounce back. It's happened after the last Lebanon war. He, he, a, a precipitous drop of 50 points is unusual right. It't beat President Obama in that regard, you know, and being able to drop points. But in democracies, that happens. And then people come back, and the other thing is that you need someone who could challenge him.
0: Right
1: Right now, nobody has emerged.
0: He indicated during the last campaign that this would be it. Do you think that uh, his hat is still in the ring, so to speak?
1: Well, it depends on his level of sanity, whether he wants this uh, more. But, look, I think he's very committed to to defending Israel, that he has a vision. He knows what what people sense as well.
0: But am I remembering that right, that he basically indicated this would be it? uh, I
1: recall that as well, but, you know, in politics... Right. You know, everything just comes with a maybe or booing mm. Nader.
0: Uh, so, <laughs> or Ralph Nader. <laughs>
1: but look, I think he, look, I think his motivation now, that he, he could go out and make a lot of money. He could have do many other things. He cares uh, very deeply, obviously, about Israel. Nobody goes through all of this and comes back for more unless you're gotten glutton for torture or you really care. And, and he's worked well with the Alom and with the Benny Gantz, the, the chief of the IDF. And the IDF did perform well. People,
0: you know, oh, yeah. again,
1: it will all come out afterwards as we do the assessment about how effective uh, they were and the uh, long-term implications of this. will be tested again in the North. We're going to be tested in other, and I mean, we, the West, not just Israel.
0: How long does it take to replenish rocket supply? I'm being serious. Like, I mean, in a week, are they going to have another 1,000 rockets, you know, in storage?
1: Well, first of all, that's the reason why... Israel so insistent on monitoring what goes in, uh... you know that that uh, <clears throat> in the north you still and the Egyptian border you still have uh, maybe 500 tunnels because out of 1500 they eliminated more than a thousand, but uh, these uh, uh, largely are based out of Bedouin communities uh, near the border or even somewhat inside. You saw how long the tunnels could be into Israel a mile into Israel, so you know it can go a mile or a mile and a half in any direction uh from gaza towards egypt yeah. uh, to continue to smuggle second they have the underground facilities to do the continuing manufacture and they're very crude and rude they don't have guidance systems it's just a pipe explosives put in shrapnel do other things to try and raise the the kill rate. so that's why israel wants to know that everything will be monitored uh, in, especially uh cement and and steel that goes in as part of any agreement and the language that is being used and This is a very strange time, but Israel now wants a Security Council resolution, and the Palestinians don't, because it does include some of these ideas of disarmament, uh, first uh, demilitarization, meaning no new uh, weapons uh, going in.
0: Um, And the the, the peacekeepers, the UN peacekeepers, and the challenges that they're now confronting, is that going to change the UN's attitude to what's happening in Syria at all?
1: I don't think anything changes uh, the UN's attitude. You know, the automatic majority remains, and the biases remain. And uh, you know, the UN issues a lot of statements, but they have no way to to back it up. It's got to be done by by others. So they can make demands, and, and you know, you can pass try to pass Security Council sanctions, but Hamas and like Hezbollah, like these others, don't don't really pay much a, a, attention to it. Uh, but yes, it, it, all these things should. Show the world who the real enemy is. They call boycotts of Israel, but they don't boycott. There was a sign, you know, that he uh, that was seen in London that said, "I would boycott Palestinian products," but they don't make any. <laughs> you know, these guys, most of these guys, have nothing to lose. They don't have exports. They don't, you know, ship out high tech equipment. They don't develop their own people. They don't have resources inside. And the Palestinian people are very capable, and they could be, and they could be very prosperous. And for a short while, if you remember the joint uh... what they would call the quiz zones and the uh... uh... the qualified industrial zones and the tax-free areas they could have been really a boom to any economy and they could have changed the whole face of the of the activity and during all of this everybody forgets about iran how many talks about more enrichment we see that them talking about no revisiting Parchin, which is where the weaponization took place you know harder and harder lines Uh, Backing the new uh, Iraqi prime minister, and 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 engaging still in the production of and in the and the distribution of more and more weapons to terrorist entities, their involvement in Syria, involvement in Gaza, everywhere else, and nobody even pays attention today to Iran. We're deflected onto other things. In the meantime, they're moving ahead, and we're coming closer and closer to the November ultimate deadline. And the question is, are we going to end up then? What kind of a deal, if any, will we we uh, end up with, and they shot down an Israeli drone, and are threatening now to sue over it for a violation of their airspace. But they talk about crushing response. They talked about providing weapons to forces in the West Bank. You got to take it seriously.
0: They I mean it. I appreciate you bringing up the drone. It's been sitting in my notes for five days. When they when they claim that they are, uh, you know, uh, investigating the drone, examining it for you know Israeli intelligence data. Can I assume? That, that Israeli intelligence data is either destroyed or undecipherable once it gets into the hands of the Iranians, or that's not the case?
1: Well, after the downing of the American uh, which a uh, drone, which it caught almost intact, I think, and, uh, you know, you, you do reverse engineering, which means you take it apart, try to study it and replicate it, and they are producing their own. They, in fact, gave Hamas the technology for drones, and they used it in the beginning of, the, of the, uh, this war then, I think Israel eliminated that capacity. Um, so, and drones are are a critical uh, force. So, the fact that Israel could get a drone from Israel to there, assuming that they did, um, <laughs> means it had to be refueled in, in air, etc., which is a pretty remarkable achievement in and of itself. Or they're claiming now that it was fired from Azerbaijan, or you know, from uh, and, and have always been talking about the Azerbaijan-Israel collaboration against Iran. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the hope is that it was destroyed, and I'm sure that they build in fail-safe measures that if, in fact, something like this happens, but they showed pictures of large parts of it intact, but it doesn't mean that the intelligence data right.
0: is not- Who's the guy that has to wake up the prime minister to tell him in the middle of the night the (laughs) drone went down in Iran? That must be the worst. Oh, gosh. All right, there's still hope for the Jewish people and the future of the Jewish people. More than ever. And more than ever in the future of the Jewish people is, of course, in the state of Israel. And Malcolm Holmline has confirmed for me again that he completely, 100% endorses anybody who has a trip planned to Israel for September or October, for the Chagim, for Sukkot, for Thanksgiving, for Chayesara, for Hanukkah, for end-of-year vacation, for whenever it is in the next few months, he 100% is behind maintaining those trips and keeping them on our calendars.
1: And if you don't have one planned, plan one now. And if your shul is asked to distribute the cards, the pledge, not money, but to visit Israel with your family alone, to show the people of Israel who care, to bring back the economy, to visit the south and help and buy stuff and help all these people who suffered for us i mean they didn't suffer because they did something wrong they suffered because they're jews they're living in a jewish state and all of us would be on that front line were not for them so people have an obligation have an a really to go and help them and to to continue dominating for the for them and for the soldiers who are still wounded and there are many who needs a, a refuah? so people, this is our front, our obligation. And and we're going to find more assaults, not only the physical assaults you mentioned and anti Semitic things that can happen on 63rd Street in Manhattan or in uh, L.A. or anywhere in the United States, but also what we're going to see on the campuses is they now come back to full force. So we need everybody. We need support. We need help. We need to be able to do more outreach and, and build coalitions and get people together to, to do and that depends on our internal unity and not all this question you can raise all the questions you want but you've got to remember ultimately we've got to stand behind israel oh, yeah. and we got to keep the u.s israel relationship on the on the strongest possible ground
0: i thank you again mazal tov and have a wonderful shabbos malcolm honlein is executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations friday morning jm in the am there is a podcast of the weekly update. Check out the uh, homepage of org. In the news section, you'll see information. You could sign up for the podcast and get it every single week uh, from us here at JM in the AM.